You're listening to the Hub City Church Podcast. To learn more about Hub City Church, including our gathering times, you can check out our website at albanyhubcity.com. So last year, not today, last year, um, we had this tradition on Christmas morning where the kids come downstairs in our house and they grab their stockings and then jump on our bed and open their stockings right there. And last year it was really sweet, and Christina, we had kind of gotten up and made coffee, and uh, the kids had come down, got their stockings, came down, started opening it. It was fun, and you know, just some things, whatever. And Bucky's stocking too, thank you. And uh, and then you know, my a couple things in my stocking, and then one of the kids says, "And mom's stocking," and this was the point when I realized I had completely forgotten about Christy's stocking, a hundred percent. It was the flattest sock I've ever seen. She was a good sport, only stole a few of my candies, I think, some chocolates. Um, but uh, it was not ideal. Um, and this year, we, uh, she was like, can I just do my own stocking? <laughs> so she had a great morning. She enjoyed it greatly. Um, but what was funny, I was thinking about kind of that, like, can I just do my own stocking? And it was like, well, the ideal is that if I were to fill her stocking, it would be, I would know her so well that it would be as if she filled her own stocking, right? That would be the thing of like, man, you know me so well. Um, And Christmas is one of those things that we know so well. And God knows us so well and knows exactly who we are, what we deal with, what we struggle with, our likes, our dislikes. And Christmas morning is that moment to kind of stop and restory ourselves into the God who knows us so well. And Christmas morning, even though today is today, there's been so many Christmas mornings, there was a beginning to it, right? There was a Christmas morning that began all the centuries of Christmas mornings. And the morning that was of Jesus' birth was not just a fulfillment of what people wanted or desired, but it's actually what God desired for his people. God always has known his people. As we just read in John 1, everything was made through him. He knows his creation well, and he wanted to be with his people. And we know the story. We know in the beginning there was some brokenness that happened, but God didn't abandon his people. He wanted to be with his people. And throughout the scriptures, he had this plan to be with his people. And I I didn't make any slides for this morning, and I'll try to say scriptures when I get to it out loud so you can look them up. But if we look over the scope of scripture, the 30,000 kind of flyover view Um, We see a God committed to himself, committed himself to a people, right? When you think about Noah, he promised Noah that he would never destroy the world, but he would preserve it and redeem humanity. He promised then Abraham that he would make his family a great nation and a blessing to the world. He would then promise Moses that not only will this same family nation be great, but they will be a holy priesthood of people representing their God to the world. And then he promised David that he would start with him a kingship that would later be the lineage of this new king. And up until this point in the narrative, God had done all the things he had promised to do. And one of the reasons I love reading the Old Testament is because of seeing God's sovereignty is full of his promises. That often the promises is like, how could you do this, God? And yet he does it. For example, he told David that someone from his lineage would be the eternal king, right? And then what did David, uh, most if not all of his sons were just boneheads, right? Right? They just, they did not, how is this going to happen? How is God actually going to fulfill 
his promises. And here's some scriptures. God peppers encouragement along the way in the waiting for the people, right? In, in that hoping and that waiting, how is he going to do this? So I'm going to read some of these scriptures out loud. Just sit in them. They're all Old Testament. They're beautiful. Jeremiah 23, 5. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And one of my favorites is Ezekiel 36, 26 to 28. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. And then a little bit later, he gets even more specific about this mysterious Messiah as the people are waiting, as they're hoping, they're saying, God, how are you going to fulfill your promises? Isaiah 7, 14, he says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And then in Micah 5, where is this going to happen? But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Right? Those are pretty specific. You'd have to really not know your scriptures to kind of miss that one. But how? What's it going to look like? Will this be immediate? Will we feel it? Will it be more in our head and we won't know? All these major promises, all this massive amount of time and history of God's people waiting and hoping. And waiting and hoping is hard. Kids, right now, you're, you're waiting for me to be done. Like you're hoping that this is short and it is short, Right? Parents, you're just waiting and hoping that your crazy Uncle Rick doesn't do anything crazy today, right? Like, that's all we want. But we all do it, waiting and hoping. The encouragement I get today, and that I want us to sit in today, is just looking back at all that history, all that waiting, all that hoping, and then looking at Christmas morning. Right? God's Old Testament promises were being fulfilled starting in that little tiny scene that we get a snapshot of. Right? It, it wouldn't have been probably written in the history books at all. It was not a significant birth in itself in just a history book, but our scriptures give us the magnifying glass. Some little family in Bethlehem was born a Savior. And he came even when the world didn't have their stuff together. He came down to his people, not because his people had finally done well and loved him enough. He came in the flesh because he loved us first. Right? That same love that drove the word from John 1. The word, what did he say? He was in the beginning with God, John 1, 2. John 1, 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Think about it. The Word that created everything wanted to be in a personal relationship with His creation. And today, if you believe Jesus Christ was the Son of God born on this earth, then you have to believe that God keeps His promises. This is evident in the birth of Christ. And that should bring joy to us. right? Not joy from a present, or Matt might have actually remembered Christy's stocking this year. 
but joy because we can trust God, seeing his promises come true and believing that his son really is the promised son in the flesh, Emmanuel. Today we can have joy no matter the circumstances, no matter what crazy Uncle Rick does, because you know God loves you, wants to be with you, will keep his promises. He promises to give us a new heart, right? Make us into a new creation that longs to live for him. And this new heart that God puts there, that gives to those who put their faith in him is like this light in the darkness. As we read in John 1, one of our favorite aspects of December, we start this, we've done it all month, is driving around and looking at lights. Do you guys do that? Kids, your families do that? Okay. Cool, sweet. Well, those are all my kids, so of course we do it, you know? You know, so it's so fun, and you light in the darkness, and there's something so inspiring and incredible about Christmas lights, right? I mean, they're pretty to look at, and it's great and stuff, but it's shocking because the opposite is, is very true, that if you drive around when it's not Christmas time, looking at houses, it's weird. And it's, it's very dark. It's just very, why? Why are you out at night doing this, right? But you go, and the lights just shine through the darkness. It's incredible, and that goes on a spiritual level as well. There is darkness all around in this world. We can all agree that, right? We don't want to focus on that. We can all agree there's darkness in this world. It's really hard sometimes. It's, stuff happens and there's no good answer for it. It's just plain tough to get up and live sometimes. But Scripture has this picture of light coming into the world through the baby Christ. In fact, later Jesus would self-identify as the light of the world in John 8. This light came for all mankind and we're told in John 1 that this light is actually life itself. And he came not only to expose the darkness, but give the light to all who would call upon him as Savior so that their darkness could be exposed and banished. Some, of course, don't want this light, as we were told. They'd rather love the darkness. But for those who accept it, for those who want the light, have surrendered to the light, there's this incredible joy because we've been counted now in the kingdom of light as sons and daughters of God. And now as sons and daughters of God, we get to dwell with our good Father. And I just want to close with this and, and sit with this in a second. John 1 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay, well, you guys know from our teachings, we had a John series like six years ago that took about six years to get through, but dwelt is this word for tabernacled, right? Right back to the Exodus narrative, right? It's a two-way street. The infinite creator God set up his tent along with his people. He does life with his people. He lives among us. We center ourselves with him. And today, as we're all, we're a family right here, centered together, but you're going to be with family later. Maybe you won't. Maybe, maybe Christmas is not a great day. and You don't want to be with family. But the thing is, no matter where you're at today, God is in your midst. God dwells with you. God wants to be with his children, wants to be with his family. And his children can dwell with the creator because Jesus first came to dwell with us. That baby in the manger made it possible for us now to be able to communicate and be with God. Doesn't it seem like in general our culture is always trying to, we're, we're trying to find the divine, right? There's always some enlightenment, some things, some sort of book you can read, some sort of workout or food or whatever, 
and we're trying to find the divine. We're trying to find God. And it's crazy to just sit and say, God found us. The divine came to his people. That's the biblical story. The divine came first. The connection that there is a God and he loves his people dearly was made by God himself. Not a human. Someone didn't make this up. First in creation and then in his recreation through his son Jesus. And that's why practices like this, like stopping on Christmas amidst the chaos, amidst the ice storm on Friday, I'm glad you all were safe, against all the craziness of kids and whatever, just stop and restory that God came to be with us in the chaos, in the darkness to be that light. He came to dwell with us, not just in a period of time, but to dwell with us forever. So for us, as a people who live in between the two kind of comings of Christ, right, we too live in that waiting and the hoping. We can trust that God's dwelling is real and right now. We can dwell with our God now in the present age as we wait and hope for the blessed time when God's kingdom is fully established. And because of the manger, we can trust that this is going to happen. And we get to respond to this reality as a community together today on Christmas. As we remember the baby king born in a wooden manger, we also stop to remember what he did for us years later on the wooden cross. We get to go to the tables today. We get to go take communion together as a family on Christmas morning, remembering Jesus being born the king, son of God, began the journey of what it meant to live as a human so that when he laid his life down when he sacrificed himself for all sin on the cross as the spotless, perfect lamb. Our scriptures could say this in Hebrews chapter 4. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Just think about it real quick. God knows who you are. He knows what you like. He would give you the perfect stocking, (laughs) right? He knows what you struggle with. He knows the darkness. And the greatest gift he could ever give is he gave himself. Hebrews chapter 4 ends with this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So Hub City, it is a joy to be with you guys on Christmas morning. Thanks for taking the time. And let's dwell together as a church body with our creator, God, who made himself flesh, dwelt with us, and is very real and alive today. I'm going to pray, and let's respond to this gift of salvation found only in grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pray, and let's worship him today.